Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 229 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I am great. We are talking today about table manners and social graces. Do you have your pinky up, oh. Megan? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said, hello, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, how would you ask, how are you doing in a more socially graceful way? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Top of the morning to you. I always wish I was someone who said, how do you do? I think every once in a while I'll hear someone say that of, a, of an older generation. I think it's kind of cool. We should bring it What back. I think is funny is we start talking about social graces and I somehow go to a Cockney accent. <laughs> like, nope, not same. I like anyway. that in our cultural consciousness, anything British is just by <laughs> default more well-mannered yeah. than. Well, it actually top of the morning to you would be Irish, I think. I don't even know. It's, it's old school sounding. It's oldie fashioned. Well, what we're really talking about is teaching table manners and in general social graces to our kids. And this is so funny because as moms of, you know, my youngest is six, your youngest is 10. We have been through the years where you're like, please just don't belch at the table. You right, know, like yes. you're you have to lower your standards so much and you kind of worry, like, am I teaching them the right things? So I think we're here to tell you most of this kind of works itself out. Peer pressure, modeling. Yada, yada. So we're going to have fun with this today. We are going to talk about how we've taught manners to our kids over the years. But I also want to say to the moms whose dinner tables look a hot mess right now, even if you do nothing different and just get through it, it'll be okay. Yep. Agreed. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. 
They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. You know, Sarah, it's funny when we were setting this up, you were talking about how there was that phase where it was just the best we could do to get our kids not to belch at the table in a restaurant or whatever. It was just a total hot mess. And it kind of made me realize that we put so much pressure on ourselves to be the ones to teach kids all their social graces and manners. But I bet if you thought back, there are things that you learned not from your family of origin. I agree. Um, Yeah. And one of them that sticks out in my head that I'm a super stickler for with my kids is putting my napkin in my lap. I did not start doing that until I spent a lot of time with a friend's family. And I think my mom had fine table manners. I, I felt like our family had, you know, we were very play at the table, but putting my napkin in my lap consistently must have just been something she just, that wasn't a hill she was going to die on. Mm-hmm. And I totally picked it up from somebody else. So it's not all on us, you know? <laughs> I agree. And and sometimes it takes being the odd man out when your kids start going to have a meal with another family, you, they look around and realize what they're not doing. And that's actually a great, a great way to pick up on manners. And we're going to talk more about that kind of like when in Rome type of social graces as we go. Um, So I wanted to start with kind of a funny question. I would like you to describe a family dinner from a table manners perspective. So a dinner at your house, not a restaurant when your youngest child was 12 months old. And so we will each do this, but you have five kids and I have three. And so I just kind of arbitrarily picked the youngest is one. How old is everybody else? And what does a family dinner look like? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm putting myself inside like the time machine. And I'm like, I'm doing that thing. Like in the movies where I'm like, my arms and legs are going, ah! I'm like in that circuit. You know, have any idea what I'm talking about? Like yes, I look I like I'm in a vault. Okay. Thank you for picking that up. Okay. So uh, it would have been, the boys would have been four, six, 10 and 12 ish. Right. Claire is an odd, the odd one out. So it never quite lines perfectly up, but that's about how old they were. Um, and let's see. Well, I was kind of a stickler for always making the same meal. So I wasn't ever the one who was doing a different meal for everyone, except for maybe when the two oldest were really little. But I think by the time I got to the third kid, I was like, I can't do that anymore. But they were all allowed to eat different versions of that meal based on what they liked the best. So often that would mean one kid was basically eating bread the whole Mm -hmm. time. And one kid was just eating rice. And they, I remember they would grab food off each other's plates because they were allowed to trade at the table. (laughs) Um, And I had like two who were super obsessed with like roasted vegetables and one who always wanted meat and one who always wanted like potatoes or rice, whatever the starch was. And so they're just trading. The other thing I remember is that my oldest boys refused to properly use utensils. And I constantly had to tell them not to pick up peas with their fingers. They may still, honest to God, not use utensils. I, I don't always watch them when they eat outside of my table. Um, so I have no idea. So in those days, I would have been like desperately trying to get the older kids to keep a napkin in their laps and then actually use it because There's nothing more infuriating than a kid with a napkin in their lap who wipes their fingers on their pants. And I don't get that. And then the one year old would probably just be throwing food on the floor. It's just so funny when I look back now um, about the hang up I have about certain and that have then about certain things. And then the stuff I just let kind of go. Oh, yeah. And the other thing that I would always be doing is just randomly going four on the floor. Okay, so this is so perfect because I learned four on the floor from you. And for those of us, for those who haven't heard this, it just means no leaning in your chair. Can't lean forward or back. And so four chair legs on the floor. And I didn't learn this from you until like two years ago, probably. Did I I yell at you? No, I I don't lean back in my chair, Megan. Um, It came up in an episode, I think. Um, But it is the best shortcut for don't lean back in your chair. And I use it now all the time. That's so so funny because I feel like when we were at your parents' place, um, at one point I was sitting at those stools at their, at their kitchen Island. Uh-huh. And I want to say, I told Reed four on the floor. Yeah, maybe that's where I learned it. Reed is the because, chair leaner. Yeah. Yes. And he freaked me out because that chair is really high up off the ground. Yeah. 
and I want to say it's a tile or wood floor or yeah. something. And I'm just like, and clo- it's close to the table. And it's just so habit. that adds in more layer or uh, danger. Mom, it was your mom habit just launching yes. in four, four on, the, on the, floor. the floor. So <laughs> when my brother was a kid and leaned, my mom would eventually take his chair away. I think mom, you'll have to correct me, but that's what I remember is like after a certain number of <laughs> warnings, he would just lose his chair. And I guess he'd have to like kind of kneel or I don't know. I think that's oh, kind of funny. So funny. Um, so another thing I loved about what you just described is you're in that scenario at 12, 10 and six, your oldest three are pretty much the age of mine now. Mine are 11, nine and six. Um, and so a lot of what you described is actually my dinner table right now. And that includes eating with your hands and not using napkins, but we'll get, we'll get to some of that in a minute. Cause I still need to do ages one, three and five. And just what that would have looked like. Everyone would have been eating with their hands, no napkins at all, probably crying. Um, most likely kids eating something different from the adults on plastic plates. And we kind of served served up at the counter in the kitchen. Um, and that the one thing I remember from a good manners perspective is they were good about asking to be excused. Even at that one age, that was one thing that I focused on. May I be excused, please? Not just getting up in mm. the middle. Now, the weird thing is I feel like it was more locked down when they were three and five than even it is now. And so that's maybe that's yeah. a lesson in here is like, this is th- these things go in phases. I love that. And one other thing that when you said, you know, you were serving them at the counter or like pre-serving it and passing it out. I remember kind of going through this up and down where I couldn't, like, I was always trying to figure out the best system. So I was trying to think like, is it, it's more efficient to just slop food on the plates. And I still go through this to be honest, um, every now and then, depending on what I'm serving, it's more efficient just to put food on the plates while standing at the stove. Right. Yes. But I have in my mind, the the family dinner I want to have is like, dishes on the table um, and everyone either being served as appropriate or serving themselves and passing the dishes. So that's been something where I don't do it the same every time, but we do practice with that. Um, And we have been since probably since Clara was little, like just practicing with the whole idea of here's how much food there is. Right. And that means if you take (laughs) too much, the next person might not get enough or whatever. And it kind of like that everyone judging like what everyone else is doing and making and doing their own portioning. And I don't think you have to get there anywhere near how young your kids were, but I'm glad that by now I finally got there. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue. Cause I was going to ask like, what are some things that have improved since those days? And then um, what are some things that we're still struggling with? And I can go first. Cause this is what I was going to talk about is we do we have accomplished eating family style more often now. So that means like you described uh, some of the main dishes are on the table and they will say, please pass. Or like, we'll say, would you like cheese on that and pass the cheese? So it has really helped. I hung on to that pre-portioning for a long time because I really don't like food waste. And so I felt Mm. like I could portion out. And also I have to say it wasn't great because I was prejudging my pickier kids by like, well, they're not going to eat that. So I'm going to put a little more fruit. Anyway, I, I am happy to say we're doing much more uh, family style, not every night. Like you said, it kind of depends. Um, I'll also say my kids are really great at these ages at like table conversation and, and the more social aspect of dining together. So they're used to sitting still for a full meal. They, they're still working on not interrupting and kind of taking turns, but we can actually have a family conversation. And for a lot of you, that feels like a faraway dream. So I'm here to tell you six, nine and 11, it's fun. Like our family dinner table conversations in general are where we still are struggling. And I wrote this down in our outline before you said it is using napkins ever correctly or at all. There's still a lot of eating with hands and not necessarily from the youngest child. So that's why I was laughing when you were talking about your 10 and 12 year olds. I'm like my 11 year old. I'm like, you cannot eat rice with your fingers. What? Like, do do you feel like somehow the oldest, like, because you were so busy with the youngers, like missed something? That's how I, Mm -hmm. I always wondered, like, how is it my oldest two who seem to not care for utensils whatsoever, but the other ones all figured it out. That might might be true. Um, and, (laughs) and an addendum to not using utensils is when they use them, very clumsy. And, um, Reed in particular is he's like, I I talk about this all the time, kind of an absent-minded professor type. So the things he pays attention to, he pays incredible attention. And then the things that slide over his head are like kind of mind boggling, but sometimes he'll, I'll hand him a knife to spread something. It's almost like he's never seen it before. (laughs) Like he just doesn't know what to do with it. So I have clearly failed in some regard, but, but the successes I'm celebrating. So how about you? What's, what, what are, what have you improved? 
that. Well, um, just to point out really quick about the whole like family style and serving themselves thing. I actually ran across some research like five or six years ago about portion control. And so research has shown that the ideal is that kids serve themselves because they get better at realizing this is how much food I need to fill mm-hmm. my particular stomach. But we all know like there's what's research says is the best. <laughs> and then there's what we can actually manage at our tables. So I'm really glad I didn't stress about it in the days before I was trying it. And then I'm really glad that when I did start introducing it, it was just when it worked. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. because they're going to still, they're going to learn about, about themselves from doing that, even if it's just once a week. And not only that, but I started to learn, even if it was only once a week by watching how much they gave themselves. Mm-hmm. Then like when I was serving, even now, like when I'm just like, everyone sit down, there's not room on the table for all this food. I'm just going to serve everything up really quick. I kind of know, well, Claire, will probably take you know, this many Brussels sprouts yeah. and yada, yada. So just doing it once in a while is really helpful. I agree. Anyway. And, and, no, I agree. <laughs> and I was going to add to that, that it's a, you'll realize very quickly whether your kids have mastered this when you go to a buffet line, like it cracks <laughs> me up to see kids in who physically they're able to manage a buffet line. They can balance the plate and, but to watch them portion themselves because there's no, at a buffet line, there's no like Oh my, there's enough, there's no, for, limits. There's no limits. And so that's kind of yeah. funny. So it is, it's a good thing to practice from a young age, but I agree. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Well, it's always funny to watch them too, after they get the, the <laughs> uh, their plates back to the table and sit yeah. there and like peel all the skin off the chicken. Cause that's really all right. they wanted. And right. then they eat like five biscuits. Yes. And like me, when I go to a buffet, I, I skip over anything casserole or sloppy looking like something about eating out of a dish that a lot of other people have been scooping out of. That's oh. creamy really freaks me out even so though they haven't will, like their germs haven't touched this i know right? i don't i don't know i don't have I'm, ar- I'm already a little bit i'm already a little bit suspicious of foods with like sauces i don't know what they're going to taste like like things like things that like a potato salad or like um a noodle like a pasta salad or yeah. something if i don't know what that flavor is going to taste like i don't want it to begin with it's not really the germs it's just the fact that we're all like scooping the sloppy food out of a I don't know, Sarah. It's my neurosis. Oh, you get to have your hangups. I have plenty of mine. That's just not one of them. So if you followed me around at a buffet, it would be like fried chicken and biscuits, probably. That's That's probably all I need. That's good, too. (laughs) Or bacon and eggs. Anyways. okay. so um, everyone does eat more neatly. I like I said, I still don't know if my older two boys consistently uses a fork unless I'm telling them that they need to use a fork. And And remind us how old they are now. Just they are 20, 20 and almost 22. <laughs> and I sometimes think like, maybe they're not, maybe I've just blocked them out. Like maybe even when they eat in front of me, they're eating terribly. And I'm just like done. Like yeah. they're not my problem anymore. I really don't have any idea. I typically still have to remind all the kids to grab and use a napkin. So I'll bring out a stack of cloth napkins. And then I sit there and watch as no one grabs one. <laughs> and I'll be like, Hey guys, like, and sometimes I'll just toss them at them. It's not the struggle it was because they'll, they'll use it if I like make them, but they'd still rather just wipe their hands on their pants um, or the tablecloth. <laughs> and they still constantly rock back in their chairs and it still makes me nuts. I just think it's really refreshing to hear this. Like, yes, we're <laughs> trying. No, it, it hasn't all sunk in yet. Exactly. So I thought we could just take turns if we have any tips for parents of really little kids who are just getting started with table manners, other than what we've already said, which is it's a long haul. So yeah. anything come to mind? Yeah. So one thing is just like we, our advice with basically everything parenting related is that it's okay to have like your thing and then work on that thing really almost to the exclusion, the exclusion of all else, because you'll have a chance to get to the other things. I mean, table manners are not life and death, right? So if you are just feeling really passionate about wanting your kids to use a fork and you're going to let everything else go, like if that just, it's like, if that's your trigger, I think that's totally okay. Um, I remember really wanting my kids to get to the point where they could reliably use regular cups without spilling. I did not like having sippy cups at the table yeah. um, for lots of reasons, but you know, with little kids, the skills involved with using a regular cup is very different. And so even when they were really little, I didn't serve like, even when they were at the age where they would have a sippy cup, literally in every other circumstance at the table, they had regular cups. And so, same. yeah. And there were more spills than there otherwise might've been. But for me, I wanted them to have that skill. So knowing that the spills were going to happen was just kind of part of it. And I, I would like portion out, I had those little plastic Tupperware cups mm-hmm. that we all grew up with. You know, I think you know what I'm talking yes. about. They're really easy for little hands to hold. They've got like a little lip on uh-huh. them that just makes them and they're light. Mm-hmm. And I only poured an inch 
And I knew that I was going to have to get up and refill. And that was just, I was just like fixated on that one thing. Um, the other thing I would say is that just know that for the, you know, if you've got little kids like preschool aged for the future in front of you, for as long as you can see down the road, <laughs> dinner is going to be active. You aren't going to get and sit to sit and like restfully eat your meal. It's just, if you go in with that expectation, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be issuing reminders, monitoring, moving things out of the way of elbows, like constantly. And that's why going out for dinner without kids is such a miracle when you're at that stage. Like now I just take it so for granted that it doesn't almost matter. I, I could be at home or out, who cares, right? Either way, the experience is yeah. so similar. But think about how it is. Like even when you're a mom who's gotten kind of her sea legs about that active way, when you're with other people's kids, you're doing it. You're moving yeah. cups out of the way. Yeah. Like you're, you're like always kind of anticipating what the next disaster is going to be. And your brain will not shift out of that mode for a while. Yes. Yes. No, I really love that. And I would also say that when you're in that active mode, it doesn't mean that your kids aren't picking up on some manners. It just doesn't look like it. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a long, slow haul that you're not going to see the instantaneous, you're not going to get instant gratification, but they are still picking up on things. And I love what you said about picking one or two things. Um, we had some funny ones we focused on. So may I be excused, please, was a big one when they were little. So little that they could ba barely say those words. Like maybe a cute <laughs> place, you know. That's so cute. Um, and so that was a big one when I was growing up. And so it was just drilled in. Um, so that one we worked on. We've also always said thank you, chef. And we we use the word chef kind of tongue in cheek. Like no one in the family is a chef. My husband is a very good cook. But we've gotten in the habit of thanking whoever prepared the meal by saying thank you, chef. And it was really cute when they were little because they, they'd say, who is the chef for the mac and cheese. And it was mom. Oh, thank you, mom. I really like the mac and cheese. Who is the chef for the toast? It was like, well, dad made the toast, you know? So they, there was like a chef for every, you know, every dish and they got in the habit of finding out who made it and thanking them. So we just worked on a couple little things when they were really little. I love that. It's better than Owen who used to rate, um, who used to rank my food. Oh. <laughs> Did I tell you about that? No. He'd be like, yep, I give it a nine. I finally had to be like, Owen, I mean, it's, that's just, it's funny, but we're done. Please, please we're don't. Done we're done. Joke. Yes, exactly. Um, well, the <laughs> cute thing is if they helped prepare something, even if it was just putting watermelon slices on a plate, they'd say I was the chef for the watermelon. Aww, so, that's adorable. so that was a cute one. Thanking the chef, asking to be excused. I mean, we just didn't, you know, staying seated. Like our, our standards were pretty low when, when they were little. So a couple other tips I have when, if you're wanting to practice, if you have kids who like to make believe, I think making believe, um, restaurant and tea party, if they're doing that anyway, and then just going over the top with manners, you know, napkin in your lap, pinkies up, please. And thank you. And kind of like exaggerating play acting those I think can be a fun way. And some kids are curious, you know, why do you do that? Why do you say that? And it's kind of can give you a fun way to dialogue about that at a time where it's not an actual crazy meal. Yeah. And then of course, like we always hear modeling the manners that you want to see, even if it's you and your spouse saying, please pass the potatoes and everything around you is like in total chaos yeah. that, you know, continuing to model the manners that you wish to see it's, you're not going to see the results today, but it's a good habit. I mean, even our own manners can slip when it feels like no one appreciates them. Right. Right. So thanking, thanking the person who prepared the meal or putting your napkin in your lap, just, you know, keeping those keeping those fresh. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say is if, when you are out in public, I, I just want to say, I find it so much more noticeable to see parents, um, loudly enforcing table manners with a kid who is clearly not ready for them, like a two-year-old yeah. than I do if that two-year-old was just acting like a two-year-old. Does that make sense? Right. I think mm -hmm. sometimes moms feel pressure to, in a more public setting, you know, say, please say, thank you. Put your napkin on your lap. Don't put, yeah. don't put the food over there. Don't eat that with your hands. And of course, like whatever feels natural to you and your kid is fine. But I think sometimes we do it for public perception. And I yes. actually think it's more awkward or more like cringy. It's more to, cringy than, yeah. than if the two-year-old was just having bad manners. Because to me, like a two-year-old with bad manners, I would literally not even notice. But sometimes right. you really notice when you see parents like trying to fit these um, much more mature manners onto a child who's not ready. And then it feels cringy to me. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot, there's like, there's some space between letting your two-year-old run around and throw food and, yeah. and loudly correcting them. You can just put the napkin in front of them or move the food out of their way quietly. If they're 
not doing what they need to be doing. And right. I don't think anyone's going to notice. Like right. no one's going to be like, wow, she really should have loudly corrected her child because right. otherwise how will they learn? No, no one's paying that close of attention to you. Yeah. I don't think. And yeah. I don't think anybody needs you to apologize for, there's no such thing as bad table manners from a two or three year old. I think right. in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about like our older kids and how you, you do sometimes get cringy when, when they're publicly not the best manners, but I right. think no one, no one is expecting you to like, have a perfectly mannered toddler so you can let yourself give yourself a pass I think yes in public um well I now this makes me want to like come to dinner at your house and have you to dinner at my house I think that oh, would be too. really really fun like just be a fly on the wall at there's no other's. room at my table for anybody else so I'm gonna have to get a bigger table it's gonna need a leaf I mean whoever's <laughs> whoever's rocking in their chair just take their chair away and I'll sit there <laughs> yeah Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So we're expanding the conversation here uh, beyond the family table um, and talking about other areas of manners and social graces. And this is a big topic, so we'll, we'll touch on a few and see how far we get. But I was going to start with this question. Do you have areas of like courtesy, public courtesy, manners that you are especially tuned into for your own kids or other people's kids, like basically your trigger behaviors? You know, it's funny because when I thought about this question, I realized that the what bothers me about other people's kids is different than my own. So okay. for example, um, I've always been big on my kids saying please and thank you for really any measure of hospitality. And I am probably one of those annoying parents who's, I don't like to do the, what did you say? Like, what do you say? But more like, you know, they, they know by now that with the look mm -hmm. or that I will kind of model saying thank you and please a lot because I like that. Yeah. But I don't really even notice if other kids, if other people's kids say that to me. Like, I don't, I think I'd notice if they walked up and just grabbed something out of my hands, but I don't, it's, I don't have the same, I'm not tuned into it yeah. the same way as I am with my own kids. Uh, but then on the other hand, like something that I probably unfairly judge other people's kids um, for is when kids are, and this is really hard to define, and I know it goes back to when I was a kid, but when kids are like too familiar with adults, and mm. I don't exactly know, it's not exactly deference, but it's like, why is this seven-year-old talking to me 
like I invited him over to hang out with me or like poking around in my fridge or pantry. Like there's just a familiarity. And I think mm-hmm. it totally has to do with um, the way people host other people in their homes. Mm-hmm. And like, if you were at my house, I'd say, Hey, Sarah, if you want to get something for yourself, go ahead and grab it. But until I've said that, it feels weird to me when a, like a kid I don't know is in my kitchen mm-hmm. doing that. And I have to really kind of tell myself sometimes like, like, just because when I was a child, I would have died before helping myself to a snack without being given permission. That probably came from how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And so it's really not fair of me to have that kind of like immediate, I don't know, like that gut check or whatever. Um, and there's, there's also like, sometimes I've also had experiences where kids that I don't know well, um, say something really snarky or sarcastic to me. Mm -hmm. And that would have been what my mom would have called being fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's just a certain, there's words that she uses. I can't even remember now, but I remember she, I had a s- couple friends. She did not like the way that they talked to her. And that stuck to me. Like, I still have that in my mind 40 years later, mm-hmm. or like all these years later, that when I talk to a kid, I want them to talk to me like a kid. I don't even know what that means sometimes. Yeah, like, I, I think, you know, it's weird. It's a weird thing to get a hang up about. I think I know what you mean. Um, and I also think, it's a interesting generational and regional thing. Um, yeah. We're not going to go down the calling adults, Mr. Mrs. We've actually done an episode where we've talked about that a couple of times. I'll link up and it's a whole other conversation, but it is, there are big generational and regional differences yeah. about how comfortable kids are around adults. And I do think that West coast style where I live tends to be more familiar and comfortable kids around adults. That said, I, I would like to think my kids are more deferential than some, just cause I tend to be a, kind of like a structured person. And I'm, mm-hmm. but anyway, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. And I think you're smart to recognize that a lot of it comes from how you were raised and that yeah. it's not, that's the thing about social graces is it's, it is still subjective because who's deciding these rules. It's a constantly shifting, moving target. Well, you know, it's interesting that you you point out the regional differences. And I think what it is, is that kids are so unselfconscious. Um, in the Midwest, there are certain things I would never do with someone I didn't know well. Like I wouldn't speak to them a certain way in their home. I wouldn't act a certain way in their home if I didn't know them well. And most kids I don't know yet, I don't know well yet, mm-hmm. but they don't have that hang up. Mm-hmm. So like they're acting like they've been my buddy for three years. It's almost not even the adult kid thing. It's that they don't, understand what it's like yet culturally to be Midwestern. That's really what it is, I think. Interesting. And so they're acting in this kind of way where I'm like, uh, what now? Like, you know, just, they're just too familiar. I don't yeah. know how to put it. I'm sure my kids have been too familiar with other people's parents. I'm sure there are parents who think my kids act like they want to hide in the corner and are too reserved. So yeah. again, it's one of those things where I think just recognizing why something triggers you is, is usually why. Totally. And I'm fascinated by the fact that this even triggers you because it's just not something that I've noticed or is on my radar. So, yeah. Um, so the first thing I thought of in terms of something I just noticed with my own kids or other people is I'm always aware if my kids are being physically in the way or rowdy is not really the right word. I don't have really super rowdy kids, but, uh, like blocking a doorway, for example, or like Mm. walking through a doorway and being completely ignorant of the fact that other people are coming. And as my kids get older, this feels even more kind of cringy to me. My 11 year old is the size of an adult. So it's like a large body to, to manage in space. And I know that this comes with maturity, but as a, when we're talking about personal triggers, I am always super aware if my kids seem in the way or physically like too big for the space they're in. So if we're like in line somewhere or in a small space, that's when my more controlling part, you know, I'm like, stand still, stand over here or just go outside. It's not that I expect them to have manners that are like over the top good. I would just rather not go to that place or not be in that space if we can't be there comfortably and, um, politely. Does that make sense? So I get really, and, and, and I would, I would probably think the same of other people's kids too. So too rowdy or, or too like blocking the space is the best I can kind of Well, and I think when you have three or more kids, I I definitely think there was a point for me where when I realized how many of us there were, um, I just became super aware of how much we could take over. Yeah. Because just even if it was just all of us standing. Yeah. We still are this mass of people and it does start to feel like you're taking over. And when we moved to the city, so we lived in a small town, then we moved to Chicago. That was when I really started to realize that my kids didn't understand things like 
how to navigate a city sidewalk uh-huh. with other people. Right. Um, they would just walk right down the middle of the sidewalk yes. because they had no awareness of the fact that like there's lots of other people and you have to share space. And because there were so mu- many of us, I spent so much time physically grabbing them and moving them out of the way or like remind, like I'd be walking like single file, single file, yes. single file, yes. like, like muttering that under my breath. And I'm sure people thought I was nuts, but like it, I was very aware of that's that. That's me. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The walking, <laughs> the, the taking up space that isn't yours is just yeah. a, or, or not, um, not granting equal space to other people in the same space as you is like, that's the trigger for me. And my kids are, we are in that phase that you described where they're physically bigger. And to be clear, I'm not talking about like a wiggly two or three year old. Again, we're now talking about the things that as they get older, that we're like, let's work on that. So that's there's one. a clue. There's a cluelessness about kids that's until ex- they're like much older. That's exactly but their what their bodies is. have outgrown yes. their minds. Right. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Another trigger yeah. I have, and this is actually more with adults is um, I'm going to use loud cell phone talkers as kind of an umbrella statement, but I think there's other ways to do this thing. And it's, it's sort of a disregard or a, a not giving a hoot about other people, um, in the surrounding space. So people who talk loudly on a cell phone, especially if it's colorful language and profanity, I find so incredibly rude. And I will mm-hmm. point it out to my kids because it's usually adults doing it. And the funny thing is I actually am very liberal about profanity in my home. I, I have a real liberal stance on, I don't really like attach a lot of significance to the traditional, like four letter words. Right. I mean, my kids know them. They know like what happens when they're used in certain situations, but I, I am not, I mean, I swear around my kids and my, anyway, but it's not the swearing. It's the disregard for who's around you. And I guess it really, it's a, it's sort of the verbal equivalent of the space issue. It's kind of the same thing. It it really drives me bonkers and it is so rude to me. So it's not something my kids do yet, but it's something that triggers me with adults that I'm always like so aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. And, and I think that, um, it's again, it's always just about courtesy, right? It's like kind of what it comes down to and how we interpret courtesy. And that is what manners are for. Yes. Agreed. So I thought it might be kind of fun to touch on if there are other areas that we are more relaxed about or that don't trigger us. And I can go first here. Um, I mentioned the whole Mr. or Mrs. to adults, and I did not grow up calling adults by Mr. or Mrs. And I don't make my kids do it. Um, I mean, I think that's case specific. There are some adults, teachers, of course, Sometimes if it's someone of a particular generation or, or maybe I might ask what they like to be called, but I don't, I haven't taught my kids that all adults need to be uh, given a title, ma'am, sir, miss, Mr. Mrs. And for some of you, depending on where you live, that is like way out there, but that's, um, I just, for where I grew up and where my kids are growing up to me, what feels more natural is to teach other, other ways to respect your elders and respect people in general. So, um, we talk a lot about what that looks like, not interrupting, like what you were talking about, Megan, the familiarity. So we Mm -hmm. work on respect in other ways, but I'm, I'm pretty liberal, I guess, um, when it comes to the, the titles, I just have a more open-ended definition of what that looks like to respect. So that's one area I'm, I'm not strict about at all. How about you? Um, well, it's funny that you said that because I thought to myself, I don't really have a hard and fast rule about that either. I think for me, it's kind of like the difference of like, you know, someone's name is Peter, but you don't know if they go by Peter or Pete. And whenever I am with my kids and they're with another adult, if it's someone I don't know well, because with people that I know well, I kind of know what they want to be called, but I'll just be like, oh, is it okay for them to call you blah, blah, blah? Or what would you prefer to be called? And then I, I mean, nobody really wants to be called Mr. or Mrs. anymore. Like that's not really a thing. And I've had parents who insist on their kids calling me not only Mrs., but my married last name, Mm -hmm. which I haven't had now in years and I am no longer a missus. And I find that awkward. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I've never really wanted to be called a missus or a miss. So I don't assume at all that anybody else would want to be, but I just feel like just like with a nickname or any other preference, like I would just as soon ask, Um, but it's not a big deal. And hardly ever is it like hardly ever does the other person care anymore. They'll just be like, well, call me Mary or Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Um, I'm also really relaxed about expecting my kids to spend a lot of time talking to adults. And I thought about this, like one thing I've really noticed as an adult, um, looking at kids who the different sizes of families, I do think people with smaller families and especially only kids, the kids are more accustomed to talking to the adults. They just Mm -hmm. are. So you can kind of tell they're more comfortable. Maybe they've been more trained or they're just more used to it. And my kids, you would think were feral half the time because 
not only were there five in my family, but there were, I have, you know, all these siblings and between us, we have like 16 kids. So when we would all get together, all the kids got off the hook. Like they weren't expected to hang around talking to us. They had other stuff going on and I never forced it. And I don't know if that was right or wrong. Um, Now that they're getting older, I can see how they're developing those individual relationships with aunts and uncles in their own ways. But for a long time, they were just part of like a mass of kids. They didn't want to sit and talk to us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make them. And mm-hmm. I don't like I look at it now and go, you know, I was one who grew up thinking I didn't have a particularly close relationship with either of my grandmothers when I was little. And maybe that was because I was the, you know, the caboose at a long at the end of a long line of kids. Maybe it's because by the time I came along, they'd already put in all that one on one time with yeah. the older kids. <laughs> Maybe it was because I just flew under the radar. There was always the go kiss grandma when I got there, but then I would kind of slip away and just not really spend a lot of time talking to them. And so I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, it's just something. It's just a thing. Yeah. Well, and I like <laughs> that you said that you, it, it wasn't something that you chose to force. And I think your kids obviously have and are learning to talk to adults regardless. Right. Um, but Yeah, I like that. I'm trying to think if I have made a point to uh, encourage or require it or if my kids have just they've had some practice probably in just the the families we hang out with. We don't have gaggles of cousins so that, like you said, that's a big difference. Um, I think I usually give them a little pep talk when we're going into a mixed age situation that, you know, I expect you to make conversation when adults are chatting with you. I really... Mm -hmm. I get cringy when adults expect kids to sit there and shoot the breeze in a way that is that they're not ready for. And so I really appreciate it when adults can ask, you know, exchange pleasantries with a kid, but understand that it's not going to they're not going to talk about like the weather for half an hour. Yes. Um, or, and they may not want to talk about their favorite subject in school, you know. So I I think I'm on board with you, Um, although it is something uh, that I noticed because some of my kids are better at it than others. So, well, and my kids all definitely knew how to be around adults. Like we would sit down at a table and eat, um, with grandparents and aunts and uncles and stuff like that, or they could, they could answer a few questions or whatever. It's just, they just weren't really expected to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that families are sometimes it's very different. So it's just something that I become aware of now that it's changing. Like Clara and my sister, Catherine, write letters to each other all the time. And like, I love that. And it's not the kind of thing that either that any of us made happen. It wasn't like an expectation she was going to do that from the time she could pick up a pen. It's something the two of them worked out together that they wanted to do that. So, you know, it just feels different and a little more natural to me. Yeah, totally. Well, this is, you know, related an extension, but, um, what else feels cringy now that your kids are older (laughs) and you're out in public? What are the manners that they're still working on or that just are like, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you really quickly that Owen thinks it's very cringy when I say cringy. Oh, that's funny. Sorry, Owen. It's okay. He doesn't listen, but uh, (laughs) he's a couple of times made a comment like, mom, you say cringe. He said, you say cringe way too much. And that's just totally cringe. That's how he says it. So I don't know. Anyway. um, So (laughs) back to the other topic, my kids can still be so awkward when talking to adults. Um, which I just set up this whole like kind of almost defense for not making them do it. And, but even given that they've had plenty of experience, Mm -hmm. they've had plenty of opportunities to learn and they can still just be like awkward. Like sometimes it borders on what could be seen as rudeness Mm -hmm. and they're not all awkward in the same way. Even like some are kind of shy. Some are goofy. Like some don't talk at all. And I know they don't want to be rude. So I, I just try to walk that line between coaching them on how to act around others without like, shaming them for the mm-hmm. fact that they're preteen and mm-hmm. teenagers and that that's just awkward. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yes, I agree with that. I, my oldest is particularly good at conversing with adults and kind of sort of came out of the womb, like a mini adult in a lot of ways, which can make her more awkward around her peers. I will say right. I have witnessed more awkwardness around peers than around adults with that child. And then my second is the opposite. So I totally hear what you're saying about being perceived as rude, especially when it comes to small talk. I'm like, I just wish, I wish, I wish we could like wave a magic wand and give our kids just the, just like the small talk, like the basics, just enough to fly under the radar and not be seen as rude, but it's hard. Not all kids come out that way. And, you know, as a society, maybe we have expectations about small talk that are dumb anyway, who knows? Yeah. Um, 
Also cringy for me is the the blocking of space, like I mentioned, in particular with my adult sized tween, where I'm just like, ah, like, you know, like you said, walk on the right side of the sidewalk. Um, I will say that Violet still belches very loudly in public, and I oh probably gosh. should feel cringy about that. But I'm either tired uh, after parenting three children or she's just too charming. But I, it's kind of funny. I mean, I don't think that she's ever funny. done it in a situation that I was truly horrified, but it could happen because I don't think I've corrected the, the behavior enough. And it's, it's far enough, you know, few and far between that when it happens, it's just really surprising and funny, but she would not think twice about belching loudly anywhere. So funny. Well, and what's funny about that is like, if my kids did that, um, I would grab them by the ear and like (laughs) march them off the sidewalk probably, but I'm not sure I would even notice if your kid did it. It's, it's just like a totally, there are certain things I just have a very different, it would also depend on whether they did it on purpose or not. Cause yeah. I've had boys in particular who have like tried to insert bodily noises into <laughs> things for the funny factor. And I shut that down. Like, cause otherwise it would be bedlam. Yes. Imagine if all four of them decided they were going to do that. Yes. Yeah. I'd be that mom. Yes. With the four, you know, boys rowdy. I guess I'm already at. You, are, you are that mom, but no, I know <laughs> what you mean. And the funny thing about Violet is she's actually very astute at reading social situations. She's yeah. very socially savvy. So she probably, and she gets embarrassed very easily. So she probably won't need to be taught not to do that in certain, certain, certain situations because right. she's really um, aware of how she's perceived by others. So I guess if she wants to belch loudly and laugh to make her brother and sister laugh at home, it's not a hill I've wanted to die on so far. It's kind of funny. Coming out of this little thing. Um, Okay. So a follow up to this is now we're out in public and our kids are doing things that are either downright rude or more likely in this gray cringy area. Do you, do we correct them like right then and there? Do you talk about it later? I can go first on this one. Um, So we're talking about our say, please say, thank you, say, excuse me. And do we do that right in public? And I would say I'm probably a little bit of both both meaning right then and there. And then also pep talks and debriefs. I wish I aspire to be the type of parent who doesn't prompt remind or scold in the moment, but I, I can't help it. Sometimes I do. So, and sometimes it's about my own ego or the way I think I'm being perceived, but I do sometimes say, say, please say, thank you. Say you're welcome. Mm. Um, and I, again, I kind of aspire to not do that, but it's where I am right now. I think best practice wise, what I like to do is a lot of pep talks before we go into a situation. Reminder, you're going to be meeting people, you know, new people, please make eye contact, shake their hands, whatever I'm reminding them of table manners or whatever. Um, and then debriefs after, like if they, if they've really like, if they need a little pep talk after and they didn't handle it well, you know, I would probably be gentle because the moment's over. I'm not, they're not in trouble or anything, but like, Hey, Next time, here's what we want to go for. So yep. that's kind of how I am. It's it's a it's a hodgepodge. Um, and I probably I, I don't think there's a lot to be gained, especially with older kids from the in the moment reminders. It's it can be embarrassing for them. It certainly doesn't help reinforce the good manners. So I don't know why I do it, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> well, and that's what I, I guess I was going to say is it totally depends on the age and the setting. So, yes, if I reminded William who's 15 to say thank you if I was like so what do you say it would be he'd be mortified and probably really grumpy about it and Mm -hmm. it would be the most insincere thank you ever so like there's no point um but Clara you know sometimes if I catch your eye and kind of raise my eyebrows and do a little nod she'll be like oh please or thanks or you're welcome Mm -hmm. although I would have because I probably because I harped on it so much when my kids were little they're all pretty pretty like flawless about remembering mm-hmm. please and thank you sometimes excuse me not so much um so to your point about though like you know say thank you what do you say I think that the the other way to do that when kids are really little is to kind of model in a way that if they notice you they can chime in so mm-hmm. like you might be the first person to say thank you for having Owen over to play but he's already been primed mm-hmm. to know that that means oh yeah thank you mm-hmm. right so even if he forgot um just by me saying it and it's sincere coming from me. And then it's also sincere coming from him. Um, that always felt different to me than that sort of sing song. Like, yes. what do you say? Which I've also done. But. Or the forcing, which is kind of back to what I was talking about in the first half. It can be yeah. awkward to watch a parent force those things out of their yes. kids. But when you model, um, you, you remove that awkwardness. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do that a lot, uh, 
Well, I do it with please and thank you, but I especially do it with apologies and excuse me. Mm. That's where, that's where if we've knocked something over, bumped somebody, um, I definitely am the one to model the apology. Sometimes a kid just really isn't, they're not developmentally there to think I did that. I apologize and forced apologies are just not my thing. So I'd much rather model that because I am sorry. I am sorry we were Mm -hmm. rude or we were too loud or we knocked over this thing um, rather than enforcing that for my kids. So I'm glad you brought up the the modeling thing. Well, it's just like we were just talking about with their bodies, like their bodies have outpaced their brains. So their bodies are getting bigger, but they're still clueless. Like they're walking around with their heads in the air thinking about something else. They might not even... They might have no idea that had they walked more carefully, they wouldn't have yeah. knocked that thing over. Yeah, the cause and effect whatever. is is pretty new. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's weak. <laughs> yeah, it's a weak correlation there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is, that is always a great a great tactic. I also think um, I, I try to really praise the positive, not in the moment necessarily, but after. And my kids, my kids are great at restaurants. We've eaten out a lot and they're really fun to take to restaurants and I, you know, I make a huge deal of eye contact when ordering. I, that's another thing where it's like people looking down at their phones or down at the menus. And because I spent so many years as a server, um, eye contact, I think is really important in general. But, um, when you're ordering at a restaurant, it's like, to me, it's a non-negotiable. And so my kids have from a very young age been good at making eye contact ordering clearly, you know, mm. and that's a great place to practice. And then it's fun to, you know, to celebrate after and say that those are such nice manners. Like, thank you so much. And I do that with other kids too, that are not my kids. I would, I would never, I would never coach them on bad manners, but I will compliment a kid who's not my kid on nice manners. Cause it, well, you were saying at the top of the show that you don't always notice when it's other people's kids. And I don't think I notice the bad, but I will notice the good. Sometimes a kid yes. who comes into my house and just is full of pleases and thank yous. And yes. I will totally compliment that. Uh, to them and then also to their parents if I think of it like you know yeah. such nice manners of when well I'm- and super polite kids are often super polite in a way that your kids aren't just yes. because of all the things we've talked about yeah. today with how different things matter to different people so I totally notice things other kids even if it's the only thing they do well yeah. right that's the thing that stands out and I will be like wow you know yes what great what nice manners you have yeah pointing out to the parents is always great and to your point about servers though, I just wanted to say really yeah. quick that you know, servers, probably because so few parents do that, all the things you just discussed, they tend to defer to asking mom yeah. or dad um, what the kids want. And so sometimes I have to make a, like a conscious, like I have to consciously remember, I'm not going to parrot what my child wants. Yeah. Like, and I'll kind of look to them and maybe they mumble and it's yeah. like, you know, excuse me. Like it's, so I guess the point is it. This, t- this stuff takes time and lots of practice. It does. And restaurants yeah. are nice for practice because you're not going to see that person again. So right. it's like a little, it's like a pop quiz. Like, how are our manners doing? Let's check. Let's go out right, to eat. Right. Um, one thing we haven't touched on yet that I want to real quick before we wrap is, <laughs> I forget if it was you or Kelsey who brought this up when we were prepping this episode, but the the loud pointing and commenting on others in public. Oh, you have a funny gosh. story about this, right? Well, I mean, my son, so Isaac, who basically is so quiet and reserved now, but this was during his slightly less quiet and reserved phase Mm -hmm. of ages, baby through like seven. Um, Yeah, he pointed at a woman and said, why does she get to be so fat? And the weird thing is he said it like an accusation, like he was jealous of her or something. (laughs) Like the way he said it was not only super embarrassing because he's commenting on someone's size and we're out in public and there's no way she didn't hear him. Of course she did. But the way he said it was kind of funny because it was so unexpected. But right. it was like, why does she get to be, you know, it was And I'm so sure he was bizarre. two or something really yeah, little. Yeah, he was little, like two or three. Yeah. Yeah, he had a great vocabulary and he spoke really, really clearly then too, which meant that I couldn't, like a lot of embarrassing moments yeah. were completely just out in the open. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't remember now what I did. I know that I was mortified and I had no idea what to do. And, and I, I don't know what the answer is because there really isn't, there's not really a good way to, to handle something like that without either drawing more attention to yourself or correcting your kids for something that they didn't mean to, you know, yeah. they didn't mean to be rude or kind of patronizing the other person. Yeah. Like, like what could I have said loudly in front of this other person that would have made them feel better, which is the point. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what I did. Probably nothing. Well, <laughs> but, and I think this is a good, this is one of those things that kids everybody, every kid does it, you know, loudly points or comments on, Mm. you know, says embarrassing things in public. And then 
most grow out of it within a relatively short amount of time. But I would file it under the the pep talks, you know, like yeah. the reminders later. There's there's not much you can do probably to I, I don't know. We've, we've in the moment, I think there's not a lot you can do with stuff like yeah. that. I I guess it to me, it's always like putting myself in the position of courtesy to the other person. Like, mm-hmm. what would I want if I were that person? Well, probably not to hear the mom now lecture her kid in yeah. front of me about yeah. me. Like that doesn't sound great. Yeah. And sometimes it's just not a great solution, especially if you have a kid who really can't be reasoned with yet. Right. And sometimes that's, right. you know, really what we're dealing with. Right. Yeah. And I think like five and six is a, is a very, is a great age for kids who start to have more awareness of, you know, that reciprocity, like how would it mm-hmm. feel if someone pointed and laughed at your hair, you know, right. or, you know, we don't point at people in public. It's, it's hard though. I mean, even older kids, I can think of other awkward, embarrassing things, asking questions, you know, asking somebody how much money they make or asking, like, there's all yeah. kinds of these, um, like social no-nos that are harder for kids to learn. Of course, Isaac's example is like the classic of a two-year-old, but there are things a, an eight or 10-year-old might do or say that are completely, you know, inappropriate. And, and you can't necessarily pre-coach for all those things exactly because you don't see them coming until they came and went. I mean, it would never have occurred to me that, especially at that age that I would have to like prepare for that. Yeah. Um, and I've also heard from people who, for whatever reason are noticeable in public, maybe they have a facial feature that is different or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like I've heard different things. Like some people want to be engaged and like, would rather a little kid came up and asked them a question. Mm -hmm. Others don't want that. And so it's like, you can't go in with this sort of like one size fits all idea about how the other human is going to receive your child, your clueless child. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in, in those moments, it's just like solidarity. We've all been there. Try to make the best of it that you can in that moment, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And that's when I almost take my kids out of the equation entirely. Yeah. 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 And then we can do a lot of modeling. We can do a lot of talking at home about differences. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think when, when kids see someone in a wheelchair, for example, little kids would have questions or point. And I think it's, it's great to let kids know that it's okay to have questions or to be curious when they see something that's very, very different. Um, but there is a way to do it that isn't, doesn't make anybody feel bad. And that is, there's so much nuance in that, that it's, it's something that I guess we're all still learning, but especially little kids are learning because they have no filter. They start out with no filter (laughs) and we want to help them not only have a filter, but have um, like a humanity and a kindness behind the filter. So it's not just, we don't parroting. Yeah, exactly. But it's coming from a place of uh, compassion and, you know, how would you feel if, if you were in someone else's shoes and that takes time. It does, but that's the definition of manners. So I think we solved it. Did we? No. All right. I'm coming over for dinner, so you better kick somebody out of their chair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, this was fun. And I feel like um, this segues really nicely into our cue it up for the week. I went all the way back to episode five. (laughs) So it was about teaching manners to kids. It's an episode that's over five years old. So not only will everyone cringe about the sound quality, but I think listeners are also going to get a kick out of hearing how different things really were for us back then because you know, our kids were like much smaller then. And mm-hmm. I wonder too, if the way things really were are maybe a little different from the way we think we remember them. Yeah. Um, and we also delved into some more practical stuff like thank you notes and party of SVPs and probably some other topics that we didn't manage to get to today. So again, that's um, episode five. Yeah. So it would be from spring of 2015. And literally yeah. you would just scroll back in your app as far as you can possibly go and laugh. Yes. Um, okay. Well, Megan, this was really fun. And everybody, uh, the show notes, as always, are at themomhour.com. We will link up that cue it up and anything else we think is relevant. And we will talk to you guys soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code the mom hour to save 20%. The mom hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.